Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and registered art therapist. And I'm Catherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and you're listening to Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. So Catherine, with working from home, as many of us have transitioned to, how do you deal with interruptions? How much do they come up for you in your session? Well, you know what? So all the time, I have two toddlers and a husband and my sister lives with us. So all the time, but I think, actually, I think I'm going to share something really funny that happened before we hit record. And that is for those of you who don't know, if you're watching the YouTube, um, I actually, my office is in my closet. I call it my clawfice. Um, and we set it up as a clawfice because when we all went to work from home, we have a, we have a fairly large house with a lot of bedrooms, but my husband needed to work from home. My kids have their bedrooms. My sister lives with us. Like my husband and I need to play sleep. We, we quickly used all the bedrooms. So I was like, well, I can't keep working at my dining room table. So we turned my, my, my like huge walk-in closet into an office slash closet because I'm not, I don't own that many clothes. Like my husband are not like big clothes people, handbags. That's another story, but clothes I'm not super into. And so before we got on, I was, I, we were waiting here. Speaking of interruptions, I ran to get a cup of coffee and I left the video on for Allie who was joining soon. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like we're recording in my, in my closet and my husband works from home. And I was so afraid that he was going to walk in and get changed in his closet and have Allie sitting there on the video. So I think that's probably my most feared interruption is like having, (laughs) having my closet be used as a closet when it should be used as an office. Mm -hmm. Um, That hasn't happened yet. I haven't had that interruption, (laughs) thank God, but I do, I do fear that sometimes. Mm -hmm. So my most common interruption is my kids or my dogs Mm -hmm. or my husband knocking because he needs a sweater or something like that. So my home life definitely bleeds into my professional life in my closet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it happens. And even for myself, we don't have children, but we do have my cat. Her name is Tuna. And all of my clients have become very accustomed to seeing Tuna the cat um, because she loves to jump up on my desk. Um, Actually, as you guys, if you're watching the YouTube, you'll see even during this recording coming up, she came to say hello. So look for a special guest, Tuna. Um, but we just kind of try to roll with it. And we'll hear from Audrey about how she tries to roll with being interrupted. I know. I hear she's going to have a pizza party with her clients. So we'll see how mm-hmm. that goes. <laughs> <laughs> and just a reminder that everything we say here is for entertainment purposes and is not a substitute for therapy, ethical guidance, or clinical consultations. And this is episode number six of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Hi, Audrey. Welcome to Am I a Bad Therapist? Thanks for joining us today. 
Good morning. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah. So, Audrey, tell us, um, before we get into some situations that maybe made you question your role as a therapist, um, what uh, tell us about your practice and how you became a therapist. So I've been in the business for about 10 years now, um, and it doesn't feel like it because I've been bouncing around doing so many different things. Um, but I started to invest in wellness and I'm very excited about doing the work that I do. I specialize in couples counseling. Um, so I got some Gottman training. I really love Imago, um, emotional focused couples counseling. I'm all about it. Um, but I became a therapist because I've always been very curious about people and behaviors, um, just psychology in general. Um, and I've always been a hopeless romantic. So I geared toward couples counseling and I found a passion in it. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, we're so excited to hear your story. So let's get into it. Tell us about why you felt like you were a bad therapist. Um, So many situations, but um, a couple come to mind. Um, Given working from home, that's kind of brought along, along a bunch of challenges. And it makes me think of one situation that's happened several times over the past couple of years is um, I am a step parent of two lovely boys and a dog mom. And my partner is a, or my fiance, I should say, is a really wonderful father to all of them. And so given that I work with couples, usually goes into the evenings. So I'm in my home office and, you know, I'm in the middle of a session with a couple or a client and we're like really immersed into the work, doing some really communicate, really, really, excuse me, really wonderful communication work, focusing on emotions, really kind of digging in there. Um, and lo and behold, I guess it's pizza night. So the doorbell rings and we have the ring. So not only my phone goes crazy with notifications, but then the dog starts to bark and we have carpet in some of the parts of the house, but then you can hear his claw scratching at the hardwood floor. And then the kiddos start running toward the door and like chaos, (laughs) just utter, utter chaos. Um, and then I get, kind of deer caught in headlights. All I used to, I'm much better at it now because like I said, it's happened several times. So yeah, the chaos that's ensues and the microphone picks it up and I get thoroughly embarrassed. Yes. And I think, Oh, go ahead, Catherine. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that we can all relate to that, especially during the pandemic. Did you, this is just for my own curiosity. Did you have an in-person office prior to the pandemic? Did this, did this at home, tell us about the shift from the pandemic to or pre-pandemic to pandemic telehealth work? And is this when this started to come up for you? Oh, absolutely. Um, So the blessing of being in an office is obviously it's much more of a controlled environment. So um, every situation has its strengths and challenges, but doing in-office work, it's much more quiet. It's the expectation. Mm -hmm. So um, having things being more controlled Um, and much more quiet and very little interruptions unless there was a significant emergency. Um, But that was very, very rare. I can even remember a time where I was in an office space where um, I got a knock. Maybe it was because somebody mistakenly showed up early or was their first time in the office and was knocking on everybody's door because, you know, sitting in the waiting room. But um, yeah, shifting to doing at home, the interruptions have become much more, which is unfortunate. But I think that it makes, at least from the client's point of view, more relatable, odd enough, um, that having the chaos break out behind my office door, um, because it happens at their house too. 
you know, their own kiddos knocking on the doors, their own pets kind of interrupting the sessions, things of that nature. Um, it gives a realistic idea of we aren't just human beings in bubbles that the only thing we do are therapy, um, that we have lives outside of this and we have to roll with the punches sometimes just like our clients do. So, yeah. That's like a silver lining, I think, agreed, of telehealth. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw it. When we started recording, my cat actually came up for a second. So it happens here. <laughs> it happens with our clients. Um, so it was pizza night. Kids are running around. Dogs are running around. I'm curious. Was Do you remember if this was at like a pivotal moment in the session? Did it disrupt the situation? What happened with your clients? So... Um... In the early days of when this this happened, um, I didn't catch it in time. Uh, I didn't mute myself in time, should I say. So unfortunately, you know, deer caught in headlights because um, I thought that I did enough prep work with the kiddos and my partner of I need to be quiet. We need to be calm in the house. I'm going to be in, in potentially intense conversations. Um, and a couple of times um, – we were in the midst of having a very deep conversation about struggles and challenges and um, not on the verge of tears, so to speak, but encouraging the couple to really connect and really tell each other what's going on. Um, and then all of a sudden, ding dong, chaos, kids screaming, dog barking. <laughs> and it was like, oh no, <laughs> because it's hard to break the immersion of the session um, to get derailed like that because um it's already difficult enough for a client or a couple to really kind of get into the mix of it. And it is, I kind of, it's part of our responsibility to create an environment and to create an experience. So just like with the movies, just like with television shows, you, you know that you're having a good session when you're immersed in it. Um, so not only as a therapist, but also the couple. So it, and it's hard to get a couple or a client to really commit to that emotional investment in that moment. Um, so to, to have the real world kind of <laughs> inject itself unexpectedly. Um, yeah. So it was noticed and the clients didn't get mad or anything, but it did kind of break the immersion of the moment. And mm -hmm. it did take a little bit of time to get back to the focus and what we were doing. And I did apologize. And so far I've been very lucky that my clients have been very understanding and we've laughed about it the majority of the time, but I still have concerns of like, oh, what do they think of me? You know? Yeah. And it's not just, you know, the real world interrupting the moment, but it's your real world that we did not as therapists have to consider too much um, prior to the big shift to work from home, which now many of us do full time. Um, I, I had to laugh when you were saying about, you know, a, a rare knock on the door. Um, when you are in person office, it reminds me of when I first started at my practice, which is integrated into primary healthcare. And, you know, it's nothing for the nurses or for the administrative assistants to knock on the door with a patient waiting for a physician and, and grab a supply or something like that. And so they thought that they could do that to my office. So oh, I would oh be getting no. knocks on the door to like collect my papers for shredding. And I'm like, we have to reframe this. We have to really like, you can't knock on 
my door. So now they know I'm going to bite someone's head off. You better be knocking on my door. My daycare better be calling because otherwise there is no excuse. So I totally get that, that when our worlds, when what we bring into the therapy room interrupts the flow and the moment and the deep emotional connection that's happening, especially in couples, that feels like a big weight that we kind that we brought in. Right. And I can absolutely relate to you on that. Yeah. Cause I definitely, cause again, I take my business serious. I take my job serious and to have these unexpected, um, chaotic moments kind of present themselves. I've gotten used to it. It, you know, got to go with the flow, got to face the challenges in each environment that we, we come across. Um, but yes, um, being caught between a rock and a hard place of, to me, it would be, and this might sound strange, but easier to kind of rebuff a colleague or a delivery person or something like that, because it's like, Hey, you know, it's, it's a therapy office. There's expectations, there's rules, you know, there's a sign on the door, that kind of a thing. But when the pizza man's just doing his job and my fiance is trying to be a good dad by ordering pizza on a Friday night, (laughs) it's like, how could, who could I be mad at? (laughs) Great point. We can't place the blame anywhere, really. Yeah, just kind of have to go with it. Yeah. And now for a quick ad break. Fun fact, Ellie and I actually met on the Teletherapist Network. That we did. And if you'd like to join like-minded therapists like us in a private network away from the distractions of social media, just visit teletherapistnetwork.com. There is so much going on inside the network. There's clinical consultation groups, like the one I host, Creativity in the Clinical Room. There's media requests, templates, masterclasses, and more. And we would love for you to join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Finding artwork that is appropriate for the therapy room while also being aesthetically pleasing can be such a challenge. Well, that is why I created the Joy of Therapy Shop. It is full of mental health art prints, accessories, and more. You can find items ranging from a bohemian vibe to funny quotes to lighten the mood. My favorite right now are the holographic stickers. Me too. As a Bad Therapist listener, you can get your first digital download of an individual print for just 25 cents using the code BADTHERAPIST. Go to joyoftherapy.com to find my Etsy store and Instagram account. And let's get back into it. So what questions do you think run through your mind then when this happened, you know, it's happened a few times, what goes through your head? What are those questions you're asking yourself? Oh, absolutely. Um, am I a bad therapist? (laughs) (laughs) Um, what am I going to do? Is this going to be so disruptive that the client's not going to be able to get back to focus? Um, especially in those harder moments of vulnerability, sometimes they, the client potentially could use that as a form of escape. So it's, they lose the moment. It's like, oh, okay, then we'll just redirect and we'll focus on like, oh, you have kids, you have a dog, that kind of thing. Oh, that's so cute. What's it? It's like, I want to get back on focus. Um, But I worry about um, being embarrassed about the client thinking poorly of my quality of approach, Um, thinking, and I'll go in this direction of like being a bad, being a bad mom, you know? Um, that I don't have control over my own family, not that I'd need control, so to speak of like, but, you know, sometimes clients do have that expectation of, um, I have to have it all together. And I know that's pressure that I put on myself and I haven't been explicitly told that by a client. Um, 
but I do hold myself to a high standard to be able to help people the best that I can. Um, and having interruptions like that leads me to question about, um, is there a better way to approach this? Are the clients going to think poorly of me? Um, what can I do to prevent this? Um, and just like I've talked about before, because it's happened several times, um, I've had to just kind of go with the flow and recognize that I can't have control over everything. And if it becomes a point of contention with a client, then that is an opportunity to grow and discuss. Yeah. It is quite common for ther- or for clients to look at their therapist and expect us to be the role model, right? And I think Absolutely. a lot of us do try to lead by example, but we're humans, human therapists. Um, so we're talking a lot about how it impact, how these interruptions impacted or potentially could have impacted your therapy work and your response to that. But I'm also curious if you don't mind sharing, how has working from home impacted your family life? Do you have pizza Fridays? Like, what is it like being a a step parent, a fiance, and then having to like work from home with all of this going on? Mm. Um, that's a really good question. Um, that would take up the whole hour if I dived into every detail about that because it's a lot. <laughs> um, but yes, so having to put the boundary in place of just because I'm home doesn't mean I'm all access, you know. So when the kiddos, even even if dad is home, uh, unfortunately, there have been times where the kiddos, given that they're on the younger side, have knocked on the door. And I have to be like, hang on. <laughs> Even though I've set the precedent of like emergency only bleeding limbs falling off, <laughs> like dog bit somebody. Um, still their, their need for a snack supersedes emergency because <laughs> to a six-year-old that is an emergency. It is. Um, absolutely. And they can't find dad, even though dad's probably on the couch. <laughs> it's like he's right there. Um, but it's been an, a, definitely a transition. Sometimes, um, given that, that I'm home a lot, the dog has now gotten used to me being home so much that the dog has even snooted the door behind me. Um, hopefully that hasn't registered on the microphone, but it may have. So his little tippy taps or whimpers at the door if he wants to go out or if he's hungry or something like that. And I'm just like really hoping that my partner is like, oh, it's six o'clock. The dog needs to be fed. Um, that my partner comes upstairs and corrals the dog because otherwise he sits at the door and keeps snooting it and bumping at it. And I think it's cute, but again, it's very disruptive. Um, Oh my goodness. What else? Um, Pulls us out of the flow, right? Even if the clients don't notice it, like I can relate to that having hearing, just even hearing my kids down the hall, I know it's not registering, but my head's going, are they going to interrupt? What are they doing? Why are they upstairs? Right? (laughs) Yes. The anxiety that comes with, uh oh, somebody's crying, somebody's screaming, oh, they're arguing, oh, it's it's bath time. You know, sometimes we have those later night sessions, and the chaos that comes with transition from hangout time, unstructured family time to all right, let's get into bedtime routine. You know, because I tried to make my home office in the corner of the house, away from everything, <laughs> and it's only gotten me so far. So. I thoroughly know when I'm going to get interrupted because I can hear the steps across the first floor and then up the stairs and down the hall. And I'm like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. And then tick, tick, tick. Like, oh no. <laughs> like, where's your father? <laughs> 
how do you usually address it? Like if it's maybe like the dog or a smaller interruption or even the bigger ones, do you acknowledge it first or has it changed? Like do the clients say something? Like how do you try to handle it? Do you try to head it off and be like, oh, I'm so sorry, there's a noise and deal with it? Or do you try to let it go unnoticed? What's your approach? So um, I used to be much more reactionary and responsive um, in a way of, I'm so sorry, can you just hold on just a second? It, there's a noise, let me take care of it and I'll mute myself and uh, pause the camera, turn around, take care of it. If it's the dog, he loses interest after a couple <laughs> seconds, so that's lucky. Um, and usually my partner is very attuned to anybody, any noise up here. So if the dog starts walking around upstairs or whimpering or something, my partner's really good at coming to get the dog. Um, but he doesn't always the catch, always catch the kids. <laughs> um, but yes, so far, um, so I would pause myself. I would be like, Hey kiddo, what's up? What's wrong? And he would say, you know, I need a snack. I need to use the bathroom. I need something. Where's daddy. And I'm like, sweetheart, I'm in the middle of session. You're going to have to go find daddy, do your best. Um, or I'll be done in 20 minutes. Just hang out for a little bit, that kind of a thing. Um, but now Given that the interruptions, I've been able to do preventative measures, talk with the kids, let them know what I expect, when I'm going to be in session, when I'm going to be out of session, because now that they're older, they can tell time so they can understand, oh, okay, so she's going to be in session for another 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is, um, and they can hang out and wait until I have that break. So then I can pop out of session and sometimes they're standing right there <laughs> when I open the door. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> um, but then they're like, where's my homework? Where's my backpack? I need my shoes. Where are my practice pants? I'm like, I need to use the bathroom. I have all of five minutes. Let's go. Your pants are over there. Your shoes are over here. <laughs> yeah. um, so that yes. That's a good point. I'm wondering if you felt this at all, because I don't have children, but even I noticed when I switched to telehealth, when you know we were in the office, I would drive home and I'd have the drive to like mm. process the day, kind of sort through my stuff and walk home. But like you just said, you open the door, there is no pause. It's like you open the door and you're moving into family mode immediately. How have you felt that impact? Have you felt that impact with no transition time? You're jumping mm. from one thing to the next probably a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it was, it was hard at first. Um, especially because again, when the lockdown happened in Connecticut, the first time for that first, oh my goodness, was it three months? Yeah. I think the it was kids two or were three still months. in school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my partner having that transition and then, um, I having that transition and the kiddos having that transition, all of the expectations of all of us needing all that attention and that time and that focus, it was really, really hard. Uh, we, we got through it as I can imagine that both of you probably did the same. Um, but, um, we've gotten much better at, at a balance, um, where communication couples counselor, of course, it's the answer is going to be communication about expectations, about boundaries. Um, but yes, I, sometimes I really like being able to just open the door and go into mommy mm -hmm. mode, mm -hmm. you know, of how excited the kids get when mm -hmm. I open the door and I'm done for the day. Um, and getting those hugs and meet sometimes, sometimes, um, <laughs> depending on the session is sometimes it's nice to open the door and get, a, a armful of hugs from everybody. Um, and absolutely then relate to that a hundred percent. I love sometimes it's like, it. I need to get home to hug them. Yeah. 
<laughs> During the pandemic, when my two little ones um, were downstairs with my sister, their aunt, she watched them throughout the day. And in between each session, I would go down and just like engage for a couple minutes. And it was just so refreshing just to connect, to have that personal connection. For me personally, it was great. I had an amazing setup. Like not everyone had an aunt living with them. Um, but I can, I can absolutely really, I miss it now. Yeah. And sometimes it's, um, I need to take space and again, Mm -hmm. communication and boundaries of sometimes I do open the door and I'm like, Hey, I love all of you, but like, I need a second. So I'll give you some love. I'll give you some hugs, but like, I'm going to go over here and just kind of decompress. Um, and they allow me to. And again, my fiance is really, really good about boundaries and being able to secure me that space when, and if I need it, because he thoroughly understands doing several out. He, doesn't under he's like I don't know how you do it um sometimes when I think about it in realistic terms I'm like yeah we talk to people we talk all day every day for hours um (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's hard I'm like yeah we do do hard work right (laughs) um but it's something that I can imagine just like both of you I'm very passionate about um so that definitely helps get me through the day so um so sometimes I need that decompression time and I'll maybe go for a walk or take a little space in the house and um, Catherine, just like you said, not everybody has the the benefit to have a large enough space to take that kind of space. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine for some people, some of the challenge is not having a lot of space, not being able to have a corner in the house to kind of escape to or to have an office to escape to. Because um, especially when the kiddos like right now, it's nice and quiet because my partner's at his office. The kids are at school. like Everything's good. But again, those first three months of lockdown, it was just lots of anxiety around all the changes. We were all making do. Absolutely, Audrey. And, you know, like you said, thankfully, those those the first phase of lockdown, like kids are back in school. We have more help. We can we can, you know, use more help. We can reach out to our social circles. But these interruptions like pizza night, like kids are always going to be home on a well, maybe not always going to be home on a Friday night, but this age they are. <laughs> and yeah. you're going to have pizzas. So, you know, these interruptions um, are still going to continue as we integrate, as we choose as therapists, thoughtfully and purposefully choosing to integrate our practices into our homes, right? And like you mentioned, there's a huge benefit in terms of relatability and um, being able to see the human side of therapists. But yes, you're exactly right. And about the clinical implications of breaking that emotional moment or breaking that deep dive, um, as well as, you know, the the thoughts and the worries of the transference. So I think it's it's beautiful that you brought such a relatable example to the show that I think I would, I would love to meet someone who couldn't relate to this yeah, <laughs> and the thoughts and the parents are not like everyone's had these types of interruptions. Um, and the thoughts and the questions that you ask yourself, I think are the more important steps to, um, to mitigating the situation as opposed to brushing it under the rug. It's really challenged me to face my own self-compassion against mm-hmm. my professional perfectionism Um, to give myself much more patience and understanding and lots more flexibility around what I deem is professional. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also opened up opportunities to have conversation with clients where in the office, I could keep my personal life much more private. Um, But here it's sometimes it's impossible because the reality kind of injects itself into the session. Um, 
I've been able to use it as a relatable point um, to make myself much more relatable, to make, make myself much more real and to be able to let the client know that they aren't alone in this process, just as none of us are. Um, and to encourage them to kind of roll with the punches sometimes that we can't prevent everything. Um, we can only do so much to create boundaries and expectations. Um, and not everything is going to go according to plan. So just as I've had to give up some control, <laughs> I also continue to encourage my clients to do the same. That's so wonderful. And what would you say to another clinician who is experiencing, again, I would love to find someone who hasn't, maybe they're out there, but what would you say to another clinician who is experiencing this? Oh, good question. Um, probably what I have tried to, t- have to tell myself. Um, pull on that self-compassion. Um, make adjustments to what you find to be professional or not kind of expand the definition of what professional is, um, expand expectation of yourself. Um, how can you use it as a strength in session? Um, how can you advocate for yourself with people or the things that are interrupting? If you have any sense of control, um, give disclaimers. <laughs> That's one thing that in the beginning of um, working with a client or a couple, I say like, Hey, just as an FYI, I do have kiddos on the younger side. I do have a dog. I have neighbors <laughs> who will be mowing their lawn or doing snow removal or such. Um, and again, busy street as a motorcycle drives by. I don't know if either of you could hear that one, <laughs> um, but these things are going to come into play. So um, to let potentially a, cl- a clinician know, if you wanted to give a couple disclaimers about the reality of doing telehealth or in-home or even in office um, of what potentially to expect and what the client might need in relation to those expectations. Um, if they have an auditory sensitivity or if they get, if they struggle with focus, maybe they have some ADHD or something um, and then working out an understanding surrounding how you could meet their needs in real time and then help that client advocate for themselves. So, how can you capitalize on it? How can you roll with the punches? That is beautiful. How can we capitalize on it? Absolutely. Every I like how you take it and you say, how can we use this as an opportunity for deeper, deeper or different or more diverse clinical work that we might not have had an opportunity to address yeah. in other scenarios? I love that. So Audrey, um, where can our listeners go if they want to connect more with you? Um, so a couple different places. Um, they can find me on Psychology Today. I have a Psychology Today profile. So that's a really wonderful place to gain access to not only therapists in general, um, but also information about myself, about my practice, Invest in Wellness LLC. And I am in works of putting together investinwellnessct.com. Um, and I am actively hiring my first employee. So I'm super excited about that. So um, she'll be taking applications and requests from clients really, really soon. And yeah, I'm excited to kind of grow things from there. So yeah, right That's now, so Psychology Today and the website. So we might expand beyond that to maybe Facebook, maybe we'll go Twitter, maybe Instagram, but we'll see. I've got my hands yeah. full with <laughs> kids, clients, dogs, Pizza. podcasts. <laughs> Pizza. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we will link those in the show notes. So if people, if you didn't catch it or didn't hear it, check out the show notes. Um, 
you know, check out all the great stuff, Audrey. And that's so exciting. Congratulations on hiring your first clinician. Thank you so much. And thank you both for having me on. This has been really, really fun. Thank you so much. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. If you include your Instagram handle, we just might send you some Bad Therapist swag. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air For Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air For Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.